One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hi there, I'm Cindy Linden and this is the Cook Along Podcast. Today we're going to try something a little adventurous. I have been asked by a few people for my recipe for roasted sweet potato risotto with peas and parmesan and gruyere. Okay, that's a really long title and I probably should shorten it, but that tells you what it is. I have been a little hesitant to do a risotto because they are exacting and they take kind of a while to make. A lot of people feel as though risotto is probably out of their league, and that's totally not true. It's within anybody's league, but it takes a lot of steps, and it takes a concentrated amount of time at the end. So I am going to guide you through the steps to make this. This is a main dish risotto, but it happens to be vegetarian. Before you start, here are a couple things you need to know about risotto. First, You can't make it ahead. You really have to serve it the minute you finish it because it kind of congeals as it cools and it doesn't reheat well. So you really want to get it on the table while it's creamy and before it gets stiff. The second thing is that the actual making of the risotto takes probably 30 minutes and during those 30 minutes, you are not walking away from the stove. You have to be right there stirring it. So everything else that you're gonna do for that meal has to be done ahead. For instance, if you want a salad with this risotto we're about to make, you wanna make that ahead of time. If you want a bread or an anything to go along with it, you need to have it ready to go before you start cooking the risotto. The first step for this recipe is to roast the sweet potatoes. When I first did this recipe, I did it with butternut squash and it was good, but it wasn't sweet enough. The butternut squash is a little too bland for this dish. And so I'm recommending the sweet potatoes. There are a couple of other do-aheads. You're gonna need some Parmesan cheese. You're gonna need a quarter of a cup of grated Parmesan. And I do hope you're using the fresh stuff. I never use that boxed stuff You can get this whole and you can grate it yourself at home or you can get it in the grocery store already grated, but not the boxed stuff. No little silver cardboard boxes, please. Um, The other thing is you need some Gruyere. You need a cup of shredded Gruyere. You gotta take the time to shred that. The third do ahead is to well and truly this time, I'm not kidding, have everything set out on your counter before you begin. A lot of this happens really 
quickly and you need to have everything you can't stop stirring the risotto in order to go get something out of your cupboard or cut something up you need to have it ready to go and lined up on your counter and so that being said here's the list of ingredients two cups of diced roasted sweet potatoes and we'll roast those together in a minute one and a half cups of arborio rice this is a very special rice you can't just use regular old rice this is a kind of rice that makes a creamy yet al dente result you need four cups of chicken stock that's quite a lot that's a full carton if you're using an aseptic container you need a half a cup of white wine I suppose you could replace that with water, but it's not going to be the same. Don't worry about alcohol or even taste. It all kind of evaporates, but it evaporates into the rice, so that's nice. You need a medium shallot or a half of a small onion. A small onion is probably the size of a racquetball, and you just need half of that, and we're going to have to chop that up, but we can do that later. You'll need three tablespoons of butter. You need a tablespoon of vegetable oil and actually a little bit more than that probably. You need the Parmesan cheese. That's a quarter of a cup again. You need a half a teaspoon of sage, a half a teaspoon of cumin, a half a teaspoon of salt, a clove of garlic because we're going to press it so it really should be real garlic, a cup of frozen peas, the cup of shredded gruyere I told you about, and some fresh ground pepper. We should also talk about equipment. You do have to have more than one saucepan. You need two saucepans for this, and it's best if one of them has a nonstick surface. You also need not a metal spoon, but either a wooden spoon or a silicone spoon because of the way that we part the Red Sea. Uh, you'll know what I mean about that when we get to the part where we're actually stirring the risotto. So now let's roast a sweet potato. Truthfully, if you wanted to make a shortcut on this recipe, you don't have to roast the sweet potatoes. You could steam them, you could saute them, you can even microwave them. I just happen to want them caramelized because I like the sweetness that that develops and the brown exterior and I think the texture is nice, but it's really not that big of a deal. If you're looking for a shortcut, the place to take it is here in how you pre-cook the sweet potatoes. You need about a half a pound sweet potato, so about eight ounces worth, I think. We're going to have to double check that, but I'm trying to get two cups of cubed sweet potato. This might be a little small, in which case we'll add to it, because you want enough sweet potato to show up to people's taste buds. And you need a small rimmed baking sheet, cookie sheet. And we're going to preheat the oven to 425. And then we're going to peel the sweet potato. I do not suggest that you leave the skin on for this one because the risotto is really smooth. And you don't want the skins to disrupt that consistency. So peel them off. I guess I could have called that a do-ahead. Use a potato peeler to peel the skins off. And then we're going to chop it into small cubes. I'm going to use cubes that are probably half an inch, half an inch squares. Well, only they're not squares because a sweet potato isn't square. You want them big enough that they're going to be findable in the risotto and small enough that when you take a bite that has sweet potato in it, you also have room on the fork for the risotto. So I'm just slicing these in about... I would say they're half inch to three quarter inch slices. And then I am cutting those pieces in quarters or sixths, depending on the size of the slice. 
Yeah, okay, some of these are some of these are bigger. This doesn't matter. I started to tell you I'm doing two cuts in one direction and two cuts then crossways to that. But you know, it doesn't make any difference because your sweet potato is not going to be the same size and shape as mine. So I'm going to let you figure that out. You want little bites, little bite-sized pieces. You want things that are going to blend right in with that rice. Okay, now I'm going to see how many, see what that got me. There's one cup. Yeah, okay. This is a little scant. Oh, it's really, really close. All right, I'm going to say that's good. So, yes, half a pound sweet potato peeled and diced into small cubes. Put those in a bowl and drizzle them with about a tablespoon of olive oil. And then take a spoon and stir them up. And then grind some sea salt into them. Not a ton, but enough that you could be able to taste it. Stir that in again and throw that whole thing, throw them onto your cookie sheet in a single layer. And I'm gonna leave you with this. I'm actually gonna cut a few of these pieces a little smaller. I'm gonna leave you with this because we can't do anything until the oven is hot. So here's what you're gonna do. You're gonna get your pieces diced. You're going to coat them in oil and a little salt, throw them on the cookie sheet. And when your oven reaches 425, you're gonna roast them. Just throw the cookie sheet in your oven for maybe 20 minutes. Check them at 15. And you want them to be kind of starting to brown on the bottom. When you try to turn them over, you should see some little golden browns starting to show up at the bottom. And then take them out, and we will consider that do-ahead taken care of. And when you come back, we'll move on to the next step for the risotto. And while the sweet potatoes are roasting, you can grate your Parmesan and shred your Gruyere. The other thing you can do while you're waiting for your potatoes to roast is to cut up your shallot or half of your small onion. Again, you want that kind of diced. You don't want it very big. You need about a half a cup of diced shallot or onion. And compile all your stuff on your counter next to the stove. It's okay and even a good idea to put all of the seasonings in the same container. So your sage, your cumin, your salt, your ground pepper, and just grind some in until you feel like it looks like enough. Put those all into uh, the same container, and then we'll just dump them all in at the same time. It's also a good idea to get your frozen peas out and let them start to defrost because uh, they shouldn't be frozen when you put them into the risotto. If you need to, you can rinse them in a colander to just kind of separate them and get them softened up a bit. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. 
Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Okay, here we go. Pour all of the chicken broth into a saucepan big enough to hold it and turn it on to medium-high. You just want it to heat. As soon as it starts to kind of steam, we're going to turn it way down. In a second saucepan, which probably should be about three quarts or four quarts, three quarts at the minimum, we're going to put a tablespoon of canola oil or vegetable oil and a tablespoon of butter, and we're going to heat that up. But we're not going to turn that pan on until the broth in the other pan is hot. As the broth is heating up, we can deal with the garlic. So chop off the little dead brown end and then squish the garlic flat with the flat side of your knife. And the case will peel right off and put that in your garlic press. Get it ready to squish. If you don't have a garlic press, you can just mince it. Once your broth is hot, which mine now is, it does not need to boil. It just needs to be steaming. Turn it way down to low. We want to keep it warm. It doesn't need to be hot. It needs to be warm because we're going to mix it in with the rice and we don't want that cold. So now we can turn on the other pan, which has the butter and the oil in it. Turn it on to about medium high and the butter is going to melt. And as soon as it starts to melt, we can throw in the garlic. And I'm just going to squish the garlic right over the pot and into the pan and then scrape it off with a knife. Get your um, wooden spoon or silicone spoon ready because you're going to need it pretty constantly at this point. Okay, butter is melting and I am squishing in the garlic. Now what I do is I press it tight and I scrape it off the bottom with the knife. And then I open the thing and I put all the bits that still remain into the squishing part. And I squish it again and scrape it off with a knife. And then I imagine a lot of people would argue with me at this point because you supposedly don't want the outside of the garlic. But you know what? The skin is already gone, so I don't see the difference. What you have inside that little basket where you've been squishing things is also squished garlic. So I scrape it out of there and into the pan. And also into the pan is going the onion slash scallion, whichever one you had. Just put it all in there. 
And we're going to just cook it, the garlic and the onions together, until they start to get a little bit translucent and a little tender. Meanwhile, on your counter, you have ready in a line, you have your rice, your white wine, your herbs and salt and pepper, your vegetables and your cheeses, and some butter because you're going to need that again. We use the butter at the beginning and at the end. And yes, you could use margarine on this. I won't because as you probably know if you ever listen to me, butter is my thing. I really like it. I never watched Julia Child, but I did see the movie, Julia and Julia, and that was my first real exposure to Julia Child's philosophy. She believes in lots of butter. In fact, I would say more butter is better, and I don't disagree with her, except, you know, if the recipe asks for a certain amount, that's what you should do, <laughs> which is what we're doing today. We're stirring the onion and the garlic together, and it's just starting to sizzle a little bit. This doesn't need to be stirred constantly, really. If there's anything you have to run around and do to get things in a lineup, now's the moment to do it. Because as soon as these are translucent, then we start into the part where you do have to stir continuously for 20 minutes or so. I was thinking about this earlier today, this dish. I was thinking about the fact that I never heard of risotto when I was growing up. There was no such thing. There was no such thing as a lot of stuff. There was no such thing as, in my life, I should say that, as pesto. In fact, there was no such thing as pasta, for that matter. We called it noodles or spaghetti or macaroni. Pasta is kind of highfalutin. It's, it's um, <laughs> yes, it's the same thing, but there was no such thing as pasta in my house. Also, you know, we're putting um, sweet potato in here. The only time I ever had sweet potato was Thanksgiving. And then it was cooked with so much brown sugar and butter that I, I didn't, I don't, I don't want that with my, with my savory stuff. That's weird. It makes it like dessert. And I didn't really understand that you could just cook sweet potatoes and eat them with like salt and butter and herbs or whatever until kind of late in my life. All right. I'm thinking these onions are starting to look pretty good. Maybe you can hear them sizzling. So now let's add the rice. You got a cup and a half of Arborio rice. That's A-R-B-O-R-I-O. -O. I hope you know that by this point because it's kind of late for me to tell you. Just dump it in there with the oil and the onions and stir it around. And the object of the game here is to get all the little granules of rice coated with a layer of the oil slash butter. And then we're just gonna kinda toast it here a little bit. We don't want it to brown but we want to get the grains to start turning a little bit, also translucent, and start to smell a little bit like rice, which is going to be, is going to be tricky to tell, honestly, over the onions and garlic. But it should have a little bit of a smell to it. You're not trying to 
brown it. You're not trying to fry it exactly. You're coating it in oil and hopefully letting some of the outer shell of the rice soak some of that in for a few minutes. Not even a few, like two minutes. I could just let this sit here, but that's not the kind of person I am. I like to stir stuff. I like to see what's happening. <laughs> it's kind of dumb. No, actually it isn't, because I don't want it to burn. And I've got this pretty high. Oh, there, I am starting to smell it. Or right, I'm going to turn this down just a little bit. So now it's at medium, which on my stove is a five. And it's also starting to sizzle a little bit. All right, away we go now. Take your cup of wine, your white wine, and pour it in. And stir that around. What we're doing is allowing the rice now to absorb that. Part of it's going to evaporate off and part of that flavor is going to soak into the rice a little bit. And this is where we begin the process of watching how cooked the rice is. And I will try to post a picture of this. I'm not sure how I'm going to be able to get it, but I'm going to post a picture of it. As soon as the, um, as you stir around the rice in the, in the bowl here, in the pan, and you can tell there's no liquid left. Now we're going to start with the chicken stock. So you need a ladle. I should have told you that earlier. A ladle and scoop in one ladle of your hot chicken broth and stir that in. And again, what we're doing is allowing the rice to soak it up. And the test for when we're going to add the next ladle is when you run your spoon, your wooden spoon slash silicone spoon, straight back from the edge to the center. Run it in a line from the edge of the pan to the center. And it makes kind of a valley. This is what I was calling earlier the parting of the Red Sea. It makes kind of a valley. And it doesn't fill in immediately. There's this little delay before it fills in. As soon as that happens, you're going to add a second ladle. I'm turning this down again, turning it down to a four, because it just doesn't need to be this hot. And you do the same thing. Stir in the liquid. Right now it's like rice soup, right? And if you try to make that parting of the Red Sea now, you don't get it. It's just liquid. There's just soup there. So keep stirring it. Keep stirring it. And it slowly gets thicker. But we don't want to add more broth until the Red Sea parts and leaves, and leaves the uh, valley for Moses and company to walk through there if they walk really, really fast. So uh, back to what I was saying earlier. I also never ate squash as a kid. We're keeping stirring while I'm talking keep stirring. I never ate squash. I didn't know what squash was. I didn't learn I liked squash until, uh, hmm. Wow. I probably was, uh, I don't know. Just a few years ago, really, I realized that again, squash doesn't have to be cooked with a ton of brown sugar. 
Okay, I'm starting to get that little river thing. I'm going to see if I can get a picture here. It's going to be tricky because there isn't a lot of time. And I need my fingers for the stirring part. Okay, there's the camera. Oh, no, too late. I have to wait. So you don't want it to completely dry out. Get your next ladle full of broth and add that in. And here we are again. We got soup. <laughs> Where was I? Oh, squash. Squash was also cooked with a ton of brown sugar and maple syrup and all that stuff. And that's fine if you like that kind of thing. But, you know, I really love the sweetness of the squash contrasted with something savory. Butter and salt, pepper and shallots, uh, garlic and cumin. I just think, anyway, you know, I... My mother was a good cook. Don't get me wrong. I don't want to imply that she wasn't. But the diet was limited, and maybe that was true of most people in the country. At the time that I was growing up, it was like meat and potatoes. And if we had something Italian that might have noodles in it, it was spaghetti. And that was it, really. Later, she started making casseroles out of, like, elbow macaroni. And by the way, the macaroni could be any shape. It could be elbow macaroni, or it could be shell macaroni, or it could be, I don't know. I don't even remember what we had, but I know it, was, it wasn't pasta. <laughs> it was not called pasta. Okay, I'm going to try now to get that picture again. Here we go. <laughs> okay, adding the next ladle of chicken broth. Stirring it constantly. You know, I think I'm probably most of the way through, well, maybe halfway through my chicken broth. You must be too because you've been cooking along with me with the same number of ladles. I am going to now, do I want to throw in the herbs now? You know, I do. I want them to cook in. So I'm taking my container that has the salt and the sage and the cumin, cumin, however you want to say it, and the ground pepper, and I'm stirring that in now. Yeah, okay. Well, that changes the smell quite a lot. Just keep testing for that, that Red Sea part. Anyway, so... I love squash now. I love squash. I love it stuffed. There's a recipe on the website. Oh, which, by the way, is the cookalongpodcast.com. There's this one. There will be more eventually. Right now, this is, well, this, this one isn't squash. I'm sorry, I forgot. Because the first time I made this, as I told you, I used a butternut squash for it. And you could do the same thing that we did with the sweet potato if you'd rather use the squash. You just peel it, scoop out the seeds, chop it into little bite-sized pieces, roast it exactly the same way we did with the sweet potato. All right, this is still cooking kind of hot. Turning it down even more. Now I've got it to three. And I'm adding the next ladle of broth. So my mother cooked mostly, what do I remember? I remember steak. I remember T-bone steaks. That was fun. 
I used to eat a whole T-bone steak all by myself, and that was a point of pride for me. Of course, you know, as a teenager at the time. But holy smoke, I couldn't do that now. I remember baked potatoes. There were things with tuna. There was no such thing as pizza at the time that you would eat at home. I mean, there was no such thing as takeout pizza. So we didn't eat pizza till I was... Well, I was in high school, I think, when the first pizza joints were... Well, that's not true. I'm sure they were there before that, but that's when pizza entered my life, was in high school. All of this is really off topic for what we're doing, but it just goes to show how cuisines change, how people's tastes and expectations change, I guess, because my mother's never had risotto. I guess I should feel bad about that as I'm standing here cooking risotto that I've never made it for her. Although I don't I don't know that she'd like it. I think that in addition to including more foods in our diet as the nation has grown up a little bit, it's also expanded its tastes. I remember where I grew up, which was in Colorado, Boulder, Colorado at the time. It wasn't like you could walk out your door and go get international cuisine. There were Italian restaurants. There were, you know, diners and stuff. I don't remember ever being taken to a Mexican restaurant or a Greek. There were no Greek restaurants where I grew up, when I grew up. I guess I should say when I grew up. All right. And we're stirring and it's time now to add the next ladle of chicken broth. Stirring it some more. I don't remember any Indian restaurants. I don't remember anything except Italian. Now that could have been a reflection of not just where I lived, maybe, but a reflection of what was considered normal, what kind of restaurants could make money at that time. Who knows? I'm really glad, though, that things have expanded. I mean, I, uh, I have some great recipes on the website, for instance. But I don't know that I've made anything that my mother would have made except for potato salad, which is on the website. Oh, that's something else she made. She made fried chicken. She made better fried chicken than I do. I'm still working on that but there's a butter chicken thing which is a lovely Indian dish that I've kind of been craving and probably will go back and make in the next few days for dinner here at home and things my mother would consider weird vegan things or vegetarian things the squash she would never probably eat squash if I served her squash I I don't know what she'd do I honestly don't know what she'd do. That makes it worth the experiment, maybe, just to find out what she would do. If all I put in front of her was a squash stuffed with vegetables and beans and, you know, garlic and onions and topped with pistachios, that's the recipe that I have on the website. I have no idea what she would do. I'm trying to picture what her face would look like. I think it, um, huh. 
Well, so anyway, I don't imagine I'm the only one in this boat where you've learned to eat more uh, sophisticatedly, if there's such a word, more internationally, more funly for sure, because... <laughs> Because, you know, meat and potatoes are, I love meat and potatoes, but it only goes so far. You got to have other stuff in your repertoire. All right, this is starting to look like it might not hold a lot more liquid. There should come a point where the part that you make in the, in the risotto kind of doesn't, doesn't start to dry out. Keep the heat going under there. Well, hmm. I've got one more, probably one more ladle of broth here. I'm still getting apart. All right, so let's put the last of the broth in. And I'll just tell you now, and then you can turn that burner off, that if the broth isn't enough, if your rice still really looks like it should have more liquid to it, and if you take a grain out, let it cool for a second, and then chew it, and it's hard, then you can start using water, but don't use cold water. The reason that we heated the broth is because if you add cold water to this, it totally throws off the chemistry that makes the rice creamy like this. It needs to stay hot and not be continuously cooled down by adding cold liquid to it. So if you choose to add water, you better put it in the saucepan and crank it up for a minute until it gets to where it's at least steaming. I don't think we're going to need it, honestly. So I still have soup again. I'd turn mine down to about three. I just turned it back up to four. If you've never had risotto, this is going to come as a really lovely revelation. I had no prior experience, I don't think, until I actually cooked it. And what I read about it, well, <laughs> what I read about it was that it was creamy and it had butter and cheese. And that's really, you know, really all you have to say to me for me to become interested in a recipe. Is it still parting? Yeah, not really. It's more soup. So I'm going to keep stirring for a few minutes. Meanwhile, look to be sure all your other ingredients are on hand because the things that aren't already in are about to go in in kind of a really sort of quick, steady way here. Get the rice to where it parts again. I'm going to pull out a grain and see how we're doing. It's tricky. Don't burn your mouth on it. Don't let the risotto burn in the pouch. That was my finger. Huh. Mm, still a little chewy. I might actually need to add a little water to this. I'm going to turn it down again now. Yeah, we're starting to get that uh, part. So I recommend that you take out a, a grain or two and check it. Because this is really, I'm adding a little water. That's what you heard me do is just add water to the saucepan. And I'm turning that up to high to just get it steaming. You get to choose how done you want the rice. But you don't want it crunchy. That's, that's counter to what risotto wants to be. 
So you don't want it crunchy, but the resistance, the al dente part, that's kind of up to you, really. How chewy do you want it? How soft do you want it? The thing is, if you want it softer, you got to keep adding the liquid to it because you can't just let it cook in the pan because it'll dry out too much, right? You need to get it so when you're ready to take it off, it's still doing that Red Sea parting. I wish I could find a better word for that. I'm sure there is a word. It's probably Italian. I'm sure there's a word for it. I think I've actually seen it. I want mine just a little softer than what it was a second ago. So I'm still stirring it. Waiting for that extra water, which is maybe a ladleful, to heat up. And for this rice, the risotto, the, the rice, to get to where it's not soup and it's leaving that bare space at the bottom of the pan when I scrape it, which is coming up real fast here. Hey, water, are you hot? You are. Cool. All right. I'm going to put that in here. And if that isn't enough, I can't imagine that it won't be enough. So doing the same thing again, turning it back up again. If yours is done, I should just let you move on here because you don't want to sit here waiting for me. What you do next is stir in the parmesan and the gruyere stir them both in stir in the peas stir in the squash see i want to catch up with you i hope you're not ahead of me i really do turning this back up to five because it's not done when it's soupy it has to be not sticking to the bottom much having a slow fill in when you make that line. It kind of looks like your morning oatmeal, your hot cereal, except it doesn't smell that way because of all those fabulous herbs we put in here. Wow, okay. If you've already stirred your stuff in, then you're ahead of me. Take it off the heat, all right? Take it off the heat. There's one more thing we're gotta do before you serve it. But you should be calling everybody to the table now. For those of you who are still with me, stirring in this last ladle of water. Just keep going, be patient. It'll do its thing, it will. All right, the Archie blows. Here we go. In goes the Parmesan. In goes the Gruyere. Turning the heat back down to three. And I'm just stirring that around for a minute here so it can kind of distribute. You'll see that it's kind of lumpy and particularly the Gruyere is gonna need a minute to melt and assimilate in. Actually, just turn the heat off. We don't need it anymore. Turn the heat off. 
stir on that cheese. You don't want lumps of it. You want it all smoothed around. It becomes part of a sauce. All right, now reach over, get your peas, dump the peas in, and the squash. Dump the squash in. Not the squash. Dang, see? That's what happens when you change a recipe. The sweet potatoes, or squash if you're using squash. The sweet potatoes, dump those in. Stir everything together till it's all distributed around in the rice. Ah. Okay, the last step. Get ready to put this on the table. The last step is two tablespoons of butter. You should have two tablespoons of butter left. Throw that into the pot. Stir it around and let it melt. And then put this on the table. Now that you know how to make a risotto, you can change it up. Feel free to try mushrooms, sauteed, be sure they're cooked before you put them in, or other kinds of vegetables, broccoli, anything that your imagination can think of. You can also change the seasonings if you want something else to try. But now that you know the basic principles of risotto, make it your own. Have fun. If you have questions about this recipe, let me know. Contact me through the website. I'll be happy to answer any questions you have or address any issues you might have had when you made this with me. Like I said, it's not hard. It just requires attention and timing, really. And that is just about having everything ready to go on the counter. So that's it for today. I hope you enjoy your dinner. And until next time, happy cooking. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. If you're enjoying this podcast, you can make a contribution through the supporter link on every Cook Along podcast page or go to Ko-fi, ko-fi.com slash the Cook Along podcast. Thanks for your support and thanks for listening.